0: The title of my message this morning is uh, the, the Roman Road. The Roman Road. And uh, I have to admit this morning to, um, that this, a lot of this is not my own stuff. Uh, when I first became a Christian, I was 18 years old at the time. And um, I'd never been to church before. And I remember my first time coming to church when I was 18. And I didn't know whether to, to laugh or scream. It was one or the other. I thought, what, what's going on here? But, of course, it, it thoroughly changed my life. And uh, sometimes, you know, I think we, we overstate things. It wasn't the first visit to church that changed my life. But that was the ignition. And it was the fact that I kept going back. That's what changed my life. But one of the things that I was taught very, very early on was something called the Roman Road. Now, it's a strange... It may sound strange to you. It's very strange to me. But it's, it's a set of Bible verses, really, that come from the book of of Romans and that, that in a way, sum up the whole message of the Bible just really in four verses. I mean, there are, of course, thousands of verses in the Bible. But if you just wanted to capture, uh, like a movie has a trailer, you know, that just shows you what it's all about. It doesn't go into all the detail. There's so much more for you to see than just the trailer. But nevertheless, a good movie trailer or a good TV show trailer will, uh, will encapsulate what it's about. And I want to read to you today, and if you are the kind of person who marks your Bible, you should probably mark your Bible with, with these or get a bit of paper, or just note them down. Here are four verses, and we may, so it's four and a half, because we may do a fifth one, that if you were sitting with someone, and you you had the Bible, and they said to you, tell me the message of the Bible, just in a few verses, these are the verses that you could very simply use, and you may well be able to, remember them or at least remember where they are. And um, so today I have two types of people I want to talk to just in this next half hour. The first group of people are people who want to do just what I've said. You want to be able to open the Bible and show someone who doesn't know anything about the Bible what the central message is. And the other group of people I want to talk to today, uh, both here in the room and listening to us uh, live on the net are people who perhaps don't know the message of the Bible, and now, in a sense, I'm going to do it for you. uh, And you're going to leave here today knowing what the message of the Bible is. Here Here comes the trailer. The first verse that I want to look at is Romans 3 and 23. Romans 3 and 23. And Romans 3, verse 23, in the first Bible I had, in the margin next to this verse, I had a number 1 and a circle round it, which was marking, this is the first step of the Roman road. And the verse says this, Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God can you can you read it again with me let's read it aloud for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God there's a wonderful story it's a preacher's story which means it's only 80% likely to be true of uh, a man who paints uh targets onto trees and uh, he, he has a bow and arrow, and he wants to skillfully um, fire his arrow and hit the bullseye in a target, or on a target. And so what he does is he goes into a forest, and he paints targets onto the trees, and then he steps back, you know, and he fires his bow and arrow to try to hit the bullseye. The word sin in the Bible, in its original form, means to have missed the target. That's what it means. When Paul says all have sinned and fallen short, the idea of fallen short is a clue there. The arrow has not quite hit the target. And I think you will agree that every one of us have lived lives a bit like that. Where certainly, there's two types of people, right? There are people who make up their own commandments, I'm going to be this kind of person. And there are other people who are guided maybe by a religious structure, I'm going to live by the Ten Commandments. But what's interesting is, whether you are a religious type of person, and have thought, I'm going to keep the Ten Commandments, they're in the Bible, or whether you edited the Ten Commandments and decided, I don't know about these, these look a bit hard. You know, it's a bit like the examination, there's ten questions, attempt any four. And so you rewrite the commandments, if you like, and say, well, this is the kind of guy I'm going to be. Whichever set of rules you follow, you will have failed. If you tried to keep all of the ten commandments, you will have failed. And if you tried to be a nice person and rewrite and have your own commandments, you probably failed at that too. In terms of getting a hundred percent grade, you failed. You probably think that it's not a good idea to tell a lot of lies. But do you know, I read a statistic just this week. Do you know, statistically, human beings lie twice a day. Twice a day. So according to the statistics, you're going to tell at least one lie before 2 o'clock this afternoon and then another one afterward. How many of you are enjoying my, my sermon today? Right, there's the first. So, there are, there are standards that... That we fail to keep. The Bible says all have sinned. One guy was taken into the forest and he was shown the, the targets. And in the middle of the targets there were arrows and they were right in the bullseye. All of them. Six of them. And the guy said, my goodness, what a fabulous, what do you call it, an archer? What a fabulous Robin Hood you are. What a fabulous archer. You've hit the bullseye in every single one. And the guy said, well, that's very kind of you to say, but I need to tell you a secret. I painted the target on afterwards. (laughs) And that's what people do. They think of themselves as being fairly good, but it's only because they painted the target on afterwards. They decided that well, how they lived, was that was good, and other people were bad. But the truth is, we all have messed up. Just look at what Paul says, and this is, these are not part of my four verses, but if you're in Romans 3, let's pick it up in verse 10. This is what the Bible says about the human race. Now generally speaking, the human race likes itself, thinks of itself as being mainly good. You know? Mainly good. We are the human race. We are mainly good. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we're mainly sort of bad. Paul says here in verse 10, and he, what he's doing is he's quoting lots of pieces of the Old Testament here, if you're interested in this. All sorts of bits of the Psalms and Isaiah And this is what the Bible says about the human race. There is no one righteous. No, not even one. That's not a good start, is it? (laughs) There is no one who understands. No one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. Not even One. Now you might say, well, no, that's surely not true because uh, I know of a boy scout. He helped a lady across the road the other day and and I gave some money to charity last year and and I've been good. That's not what the Bible is saying. It's not saying that no one ever does any good, but no one can continue to always do good. We always fail the mark. We are prone to tell lies. We're prone to steal things. We're prone to to protect ourselves. We're prone to be proud or selfish, or these sorts of things. It's all part of being human. And then he goes on to talk about some of the things. Verse 13, speaking of the human race, their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit, at least twice a day, close brackets. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So the first step of the Roman road, the first truth, if you like, of the Bible is this. that Although we tend to think that we're sort of okay and I'm kind of good and I I know I'm not as good as him, but at least I'm not as bad as him. You know, all that kind of thing that people do. The Bible says, actually, we've all missed the mark. And if you rip the Ten Commandments up, which you can't, but if, even if you think you're good, and rewrite your own, you're still going to fail them. That's why your New Year's resolution didn't look so hot on the 10th of January. That's why you stopped telling people what your New Year's resolution was in February. Because you may clearly have broken it in the few weeks before then. We're all kind of messed up. We've all done things wrong. We hurt people. We hurt God, but we hurt, we hurt people. We live for ourselves a lot. That's the first step. All have missed the mark. And that number one, I wrote in my Bible when I was 18, next to Romans 3. 23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Then I put a number two next to another verse, which is Romans 5 and verse 8. So just turn the page over. Romans 5 and verse 8. That was the bad news. Now let's have some good news. It says in Romans 5 verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us. In this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You want to read it with me? Verse eight. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the Bible, although it is, although it's kind of down on man and down on on, on human beings, that we, we've kind of failed. Yet, immediately, it wants us to know that there is a cure for the problem that we have. I don't mind a doctor telling me that I've got a problem as long as in the next breath he says, Now, this will solve it. How many of you know when you go to the doctor and he tells you you've got a problem, all you want to hear is, and? (laughs) Are you going to write something illegibly on that bit of paper? Is there a tablet for this? If you know there's a solution, then it's kind of okay. You have to take the solution. But you want to know, is there a solution? And the Bible says that for the fact that we have failed God, we've, we've missed the target in our lives. God says, actually, I've provided a solution for this problem. If you were sitting with your friend, you've got a number two in your Bible, Mark next to verse 8 of Romans 5. God demonstrates His love Why we were sinners, Christ died for us. You You might want to tell them something like this. That there is a solution. It's not a solution of us suddenly becoming really good people and somehow making up for all the bad that we've done. I meet many people who live like that. Well, I've done this, but I'll be better from now on. And maybe I can kind of make it up. Maybe I can, although I've done this in the past, maybe now it's my, you know, all I've got really is my, is my present and my future. So now I'll be a better person and I'll make up for the mess that I've made. The truth is that if you're on a driving test and within the first five minutes you make a terrible mistake, it doesn't Really matter that the next 35 minutes, or however long they are now, seem like two hours to me, but it doesn't matter the next 35 minutes are perfect if you messed up. Or even if you drove wonderfully on your driving test for 35 minutes, but in the last five minutes you messed up, it's still a fail. So even if you live really well, even if you take out a new year's resolution or a new life, resolution and say, I'm going to be good from now on. I'll never tell another lie. I'll never have another adulterous thought. I'll never steal anything. I'll never be proud. Even if you were able to do that, which you can't really, but even if you could. No, it it wouldn't work. What you need is someone to save you from your sins. In the Christmas story that you may know very well, the angel comes and he gives the name of uh, Jesus. The, Mary and Joseph don't go to the Bethlehem baby book and think, what would be a good name? They are given the name by God. And the angel says, you must call him Jesus. It is, it, in the original Hebrew, the word Jesus means someone who can save you. The angel says, you must call him Jesus because... He will save His people from their sins. The Bible says that God looked upon the human race and He saw that everyone was messing up. He saw everyone was missing the target. And He had a solution. The solution was that someone should suffer instead of mankind. Someone who hadn't done anything wrong should take the punishment for those who had done things wrong. At this point I would normally share my story that I've shared so many times and I know I need a therapist to deal with this of the time when I was called out in a class and the teacher called Mr. Sheen truly smacked me for talking in class and in fact it was not moi. Not on that occasion anyway. And the terrible injustice of of a stinging bottom. Going back to my seat feeling, I've been spanked. Because, of course today if he did it, we'd be calling in the cops. But then he could whack me and it would be okay. And I'm going back to my seat and, oh, and I had suffered the punishment for what someone else in the class had done. It wasn't me. Not that time anyway. Not as far as I remember. The terrible injustice of it. Let me bring you back to our trailer of what the Bible's about. This person is Jesus. Jesus gave His life for you. When Jesus died on the cross, what He was doing is, the cross is, today it's like the uh, uh, electric chair or a hangman's noose. The cross was the place where people went to be executed by the civil authorities, or the military authorities. It was, when Jesus died on the cross, it was like he was sitting in the electric chair. He was not just being killed, he was being executed. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who hadn't done anything wrong, came and sat in the electric chair of the Roman day and he died taking the blame for everything that the whole of mankind has done wrong. Why did Jesus die? He died because you and me missed the mark. Like me suffering for my classmate, Jesus suffered and died taking the blame upon Himself for all the trash that's gone on in your life and mine. God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were sinners. You see that there? Romans 5, eight, While we were sinners, Christ died for us. ever heard the expression, once and for all? Do you, you, you use that expression? Once and for all? A few weeks ago I was in the House of Commons and just on a tour, you know, I uh, don't mean I was there for any other reason, and um, uh, they, they, they pointed out some lines on the floor and on one side of the House of Commons there's a line and on the other side there's a line and uh, the, the, the guide with us told us that the expression toe the line means that you, don't, you, you put your toe on the line but you don't come any further. And it comes from the House of Commons in Britain because they had swords and the, the gap was designed so that no one could kill anyone else. That's why it's as long as it is. I don't know what they did when they invented the gun. But anyway, other than that... <laughs> Toe the line. Anyway, the guy said that's where the expression comes from. I thought that was kind of interesting. But there's another expression we use all the time, once and for all. And this expression comes from the Bible. You hear people say all the time, I'm going to deal with this once and for all. Uh, I'm going to get this car fixed once and for all. And we use it in a different way to the way the Bible uses it. The Bible uses this phrase, it's just one Greek word, ephapax, it's one word, meaning once and for all. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus Christ died once and for all. He died for all. So the bad news is that you've got a problem. You're sitting with your doctor, The bad news is you've got a problem because you've sinned. You've done things wrong. The good news is there's a cure. And the cure is Jesus Christ, who has died because he loves you. He's gone to the cross or the electric chair to take the blame for all the stuff that you wouldn't want anyone to know that you've done. I tell you, if we just put a secret Sky TV microphone on you, we'd soon know something different about you. By the end of the day. Not by the end of the month. By the end of the day. And I, for one, would enjoy listening to the tapes. God loves us. And Christ has gone to the cross instead of you the greatest need in your life is to be forgiven of your sins people think the greatest need in their life is a new car the greatest need in my life is a new place to place to live or a new job or the ipad but the greatest need in your life is not that the greatest need you've got is to be forgiven because you've missed the target here was number 3 Romans 6:23 let's look at this this is the third of four verses Romans 6:23 In my very first Bible, in the margin next to this verse is a number three with a circle around it to say this is step three of the Roman road and it says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin, read it with me, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's spelling out what we've been talking about. If you sin, you will die. Spiritually, we're all going to die physically. But you will die spiritually. And so God presents this choice. And this, as you're sitting with your friend, trying to explain the message of the Bible, just in four verses, this would be your third verse, and this would be what this is. Here is a clear choice. We've missed the mark. We can't paint the target on afterwards, because you might fool your friend, but you can't fool God. So you can fool your friend that you're good, but you can't fool God that you're good. You can fool your wife that you're a nice guy, but you can't fool God. So we missed the mark. That's the first thing. second thing is, but Jesus has died in our place. He's taken the punishment for us. Or if you like, just listen to this for a moment. Jesus offers to take our bow and arrow and do our firing for us. He who never did anything wrong, ever, never did anything wrong, is able to take the blame. And here now comes the choice. The wages of sin is death. You can continue to live like you're living. You can continue to live without God. You can continue to have your own standards of how you should live and what's right and what's wrong. And, you know, be, if you like, your own God. Because that's essentially what we're talking about, that you're really just your own God. I decide what's right. I decide really whether so-and-so is right or wrong. But it will lead you to a place of spiritual death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The Bible says this, that if you turn from your things that are wrong, oh, let me assure you, you're still going to miss the mark a lot. The people who, who follow the Lord Jesus, they are forgiven but not perfect. Can you say Amen. Yeah. We're not talking about how from now on we'll always hit the bullseye. No, we won't. At least I haven't. And I don't think too many people have. You're still going to make mistakes. You're still not going to be the most perfect guy in town. Absolutely not. But you will have received eternal life. Jesus Christ. This is a heaven and hell choice. That if a person will turn their back on them being God of their life and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Master, their Saviour, the one who can save them from their sins, then they receive this wonderful gift of new life in Christ. Still making mistakes, still missing the mark, but living under grace, living in a state of being forgiven, knowing God for yourself, receiving the Holy Spirit into your heart, knowing the joy of fellowship with God, walking and talking with Him every day. Now, I'm not talking about turning yourself into some sort of vicar of Dibley Bigot. That's a good word this week, isn't it? But turning yourself into some religious nut, maniac dot on—all oh, the Bible says, oh. We're not talking about that. But we are talking about becoming a real follower of Jesus. And to follow Jesus means you read about Him, you try and live the way He lived, you become a different person you accept Him as your mentor, or you accept Him as your, as, as your guide. I'm going to follow Him. Lots of people who we meet who talk about themselves being Christians, I'm not sure they're Christians at all. Because the Bible says it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. In the Bible, Jesus' biggest problem was with the religious people. Can he say Amen? It's the religious people that caused him trouble. Wasn't the sinful people, wasn't the crowd, wasn't the people who didn't believe in God. His biggest problem was with religious people. So I'm not I don't want anyone and you shouldn't want anyone to turn into some crazy religious bigoted person. But we are preaching a gospel. That allows people to understand, I have missed the mark, I must be forgiven. And by being forgiven, our name is written in what the Bible calls the book of life, and we have an assurance when I die, I'm gonna go to heaven. Not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done. Not because I hit the target, bang on, but because he has taken the blame for me. Anyone who truly, truly understands that does not then go off and spend their life deliberately missing the target. No, they give it their best shot knowing that God is forgiving. Finally, we return them to Romans 10. Here we go. This is the last one. Romans 10. In my old Bible there was a 4 in the margin here. And there's a kind of a five, because there's another verse a little bit further on. Verse nine is where the person becomes a follower of Jesus. It says this, that if you confess, why don't you read it with me? That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And you know, if you had a little bit more time, You might just go down to verse thirteen as well, that says this: "For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." Can we say that together? "Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." Praise God. And that's where it—that's where a person makes their decision. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and that means all kinds of complicated things. But just for now, one very simple one, one very simple one, is we say, you know, from now on, I'm no longer the Lord of my life. I don't decide what's right and wrong. He decides what's right and wrong. I don't decide what I'm going to do with my life. He decides what I'm going to do with my life. I confess with my mouth that He is now my boss. He's now in charge. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Because he'd done nothing wrong. And so God justified or vindicated Jesus by bringing him back from the dead. To show the world this is truly my beloved son. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I want to encourage you. As I draw to a close now, I want to encourage you. Maybe these verses will help you in talking to people, showing them, just from Romans, just from four, five verses, those wonderful steps to knowing what is the Bible all about. So maybe that will help you who are already followers of Jesus and for others who listen to me either here or on the internet someplace or on the podcast, let me challenge you that this is, this is about you as well. It's about you. I know you had a good old go with your bow and arrow, but you, you really did miss the target. And so has everyone in this room and everyone you know. And God looks at your life, And says, you know, I'm crazy about you. I love you. I love you to bits. I'm not angry with you. I love you. That's why I disguised myself as a man, came down to the earth, and went to the cross in your place. That's why I allowed myself to be beaten and crucified so that I could take the full blame for everything that you have done wrong. I'll finish with this. Sometimes people go to a doctor and I want you to imagine a scenario of going to the doctor and maybe you're a lady Uh, just making the illustration simple. And you go to the doctor because you have a a rash just here, just underneath your your neck. You have a rash. You think, you know, I don't like this rash. It's summer's coming. I better get rid of this rash. I ain't going out on the beach with this rash. So you go and see the doctor. You say, Doc? Lady doctor, of course. Because they're the best. Uh, uh, Doctor? I've got this rash. And The doctor looks at you. But while the doctor's looking at you, the doctor notices that in fact you have breast cancer. They spot a lump on your breast lady. What will a good doctor do? Or what will any doctor do? That doctor will say, okay, we'll get you some cream for your rash. But you have an urgent problem that we need to deal with as soon as possible. And I don't know what you think you need in life. I don't know what your rash is, the thing you want change. I want a better job. I want better money. I want a better husband. I want want just one husband. I want, particularly if you're a lady, I want a better place to live. I, I need a new car. Why haven't I got an iPhone? I say that every morning. I don't know what you think your rash is. My arm hurts every day. Oh, th- this is my rash. I tell you, whatever your rash is, and may you get a cure for your rash. God bless you if you do, but I tell you, there's a more urgent problem. That problem is you need to be forgiven of your, of your sins. And you need to begin a new life in Jesus, becoming a follower of his. If you're listening to us on the podcast, thanks for downloading this. Have a great day and have a good think about what we've been talking about.